Hello, my name is G2, and this is my Two Cents Podcast. I am here to give you my review of Worlds Collide in AEW's All Out. These are pay-per-views that happened last night, and I'm not going to try to hold you. This is going to be one of those reviews. I'm just going to tell you the what happened, the match, and the result, and basically where I see things going into the future. Uh, the start off with Worlds Collide, we did not get the match between Axiom and Nathan Frazier on this card uh we will be getting that match on this upcoming tuesday on nxt now the first match of the night will be the north american championship matchup between ricochet and carmelo hayes who with trick williams in his corner carmelo hayes would win the match by pinfall when ricochet would go for the shooting star press but Melo would uh move out of the way grab ricochet get him in a small package for the win Melo had a special entrance here and this special entrance was whenever ricochet's in the middle of the ring uh, the lights will go out, and the screens that were surrounding the inside of the arena, they will drape jerseys with fallen victims of Carmelo Hayes as he's been on his North American Championship reigns. Not just his first one, but the second one, both reigns. So it had past victims like Gargano, Dunn, uh, and various other members. But the entrance stage had Ricochet's jersey draped up there, and that happened at the beginning of Carmelo's uh, entrance, and when the match actually ended, Ricochet's jersey will be draped on the actual screen again, and this time it will be turned from red to actual white to match all his past victims' jerseys. So now Ricochet has been added on to Carmelo Hayes' wall of victims here. Where do I see Carmelo with his North American Championship? I don't know. I don't know who else we could try to throw Carmelo at. That's NXT's job on Tuesday for me. Right now, we can probably give like the winner of Axiom and Nathan Frazier to go against Carmelo, and we still have that little uh, deal with Wesley having beef with Carmelo because we always could tie that back around, but we'll have to see what NXT does uh, Tuesday with the North American Championship. After this, we get into our first undisputed championship uh, matchup of the night. It'll be for the tag team titles. It's a fatal four-way elimination match. Briggs and Jensen going against Pretty Deadly, going against the Creed Brothers, going against Gallus. Briggs and Jensen would be the first team eliminated when Mark Coffey would hit Jensen with an insiguri while Wolfgang would then hit a power slam to take Briggs and Jensen out of the equation. Gallus would be the next team eliminated when the Creed brothers would connect with a modified Doomsday device on Wolfgang, but instead of Brutus hitting Wolfgang with a clothesline, Brutus would hit it with a cannonball. Then Julius would then hit Wolfgang with a sliding clothesline, and that would take Gallus out of the matchup. Now it's down to the Creeds and Pretty Deadly. The Creeds will be the last team to be eliminated when the referee was down and Elton Prince and Julius Creed were in the ring, and Julius was was hyped up to hit his sliding clothesline on Prince, but Kit Wilson would come in the ring with a steel chair, but he would eat a spear from Damon Kemp. Damon Kemp's part of the Diamond Mind. Uh, the chair would leave Wilson's hand, and now you would see Damon tell Julius to handle his business with uh, Elton Prince. And once Julius is again about to hit his sliding clothesline, Damon would hit Julius in the back with a steel chair, then grab him and hit him with a backbreaker and leave the ring. Damon would get the referee into the ring, and you would see the referee make the pin as Elton Prince pins Julius. So Pretty Deadly are your unified NXT Tag Team Champions. Uh, I didn't think that Pretty Deadly was going to win. I thought Gallows was going to win, to be honest with you, because Gallows is the newest like team to come over from the UK over into NXT. 
And I thought that with Pretty Deadly already having a title win, we were going to give this over to Gallus, but I was dead wrong. So now we have Pretty Deadly as the new NXT Tag Team Champions. And the question is, where do we go from here? Who do Pretty Deadly go against now? Uh, we could always run it back with Gallus. We could run it with Briggs and Jensen because Pretty Deadly had a rivalry with Briggs and Jensen before all the other teams start getting into this. Uh, I don't see us going into the Creed Brothers situation yet because the Creeds are going to have to de- deal with Damon Kemp. And they're probably going to have to make amends with Roderick Strong, too. So we'll have to see how that goes down. But Pretty Deadly are your new tag team champions. After this, we get into our second unification championship matchup of the night. This time is for the women's championship. And this will be a triple threat match. Mandy Rose going against Blair Davenport. Going against Mako Sadamora. Mandy Rose would win the match by pinfall. When Mandy would hit Kiss by the Rose. Which is a bicycle knee to Blair and Satomura and Mandy would cover Blair for the win. Blair Davenport was in this match specifically to make sure that Satomura does not eat the pin so that after this we can get Satomura going against Mandy Rose because Satomura will say that she never lost. She didn't get pinned or submitted so that would give Satomura a actual uh, credibility to say that, hey, I deserve a shot at the championship. And also, this furthers Mandy Rose's reign as the long one of the longest uh, reigning NXT Women's Champions. This is her first reign, and she's now listed as the third longest right now. And again, I don't think nobody a year ago would have thought that Mandy Rose would be on this path right now. Yeah, sure, give her the title. We saw her beat Raquel Rodriguez uh, last year at Halloween Havoc, but I don't think nobody saw her going on almost a year worth of dominance as champion. So this tells everybody to, again, put respect on Mandy Rose's name. After this, we would get the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship matchup. Dewdrop and Nikki ASH challenging the champions, Kaden Carter and Katana Chance. Kaden and Katana would win the match by pinfall thanks to an assist from Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. When Dewdrop and Katana were on the top turnbuckle and Dewdrop was looking to hit a move, Toxic Attraction would run down to the ring. Nikki would hit them with a crossbody, and this would distract Dewdrop enough that this would allow Kaden and Katana to hit their tag finisher, a neckbreaker 450 splash on Dewdrop for the win. This was a alright matchup, and the commentary team made it known that Toxic Attraction is going to constantly ruin anybody's chances at the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships because they feel that they that championship belongs to them and that they are the only people that's going to get a shot at those championships. So we're building for Toxic Attraction to go against Caden Carter and Katana Chance. The only thing is that whenever they get their title match, I know all the other women teams are going to go after Toxic Attraction because they constantly ruin people's opportunities at these tag team titles. So Will we see that happen this Tuesday so we can start getting that ball rolling with all the other women going after Toxic Attraction, or do we got to wait a couple weeks, like, into the future? I don't know. I'm just going to be a fan and just watch and see what they do. Then we get to our main event, the NXT unification matchup between the NXT UK champion Tyler Bate going against the NXT champion Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker did not get a special entrance this time. He usually gets a special entrance on these, like, NXT special event shows. This time it was given to Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate will be walking backstage towards the ring. And as he's walking towards the ring, he would see videos from past NXT champions when they won the title. 
And this will emphasize how important the NXT UK Championship is and that he could possibly be losing that to Braun Breaker here. Well, Braun would win the match by pinfall when Braun will look to hit a spear on Tyler Bate, but Tyler would kick him in the head. Tyler would then punch Braun in the face and try to grab him and hit him with the Tyler driver, but Braun would reverse it and get Tyler in the Gorilla Press Slam. But before he could execute it, Tyler would count out of that into a roll-up. Braun would kick out of the roll-up. Tyler would run the ropes looking to hit a rebound clothesline, but Braun would immediately hit Tyler with a spear and cover him for the win. So Braun Breaker is still an NXT champion, but he has unified both belts now. Tyler Bate would then hand Braun Breaker both championships, and you would see Braun and Tyler hug in the middle of the ring, and that's how World Collide goes off air. To me, the match of the night was Carmelo Hayes going against Ricochet. You had high-flying action. You knew what to expect from Carmelo and Ricochet. That match did not disappoint. Obviously, Trick Williams would get involved to make sure his boy Melo would win the match. That's what he's supposed to do, and that's what he did uh, to a point that Ricochet got enough of him and always tried to like kick Trick and try to like make sure Trick didn't interfere. But again, Carmelo and Ricochet went back and forth. At one point, there was even a spot in the match where they would close on each other twice standing, and then they would run off the ropes and springboard, and in the middle of the air, you would see them close on each other, but like bodies would hit each other, and they just drop to the mat. Just almost like a anime-like fight where you see two guys fighting in the air. That's what it was like for Ricochet and Carmelo at that point. So if you like fast-paced wrestling, that is the match that you definitely want to see at Four Worlds Collide. To me, that's the match of the night, but if I had to pick a second one, it would be the main event, Tyler Bate and Braun Strowman. Two guys, just strong guys going at it with each other. Tyler Bate uh, being deceptively strong. You don't think he could pick up Braun the way that he does, but Braun Breaker also pulling out some high-flying stuff like a moonsault, standing moonsault on Tyler Bate. So again, first match of the night was the first match. Second match of the night was the main event. That is your Worlds Collide recap here. Now... for All Out. The first match would be the Casino Ladder Match, which the contestants would be Rilo Yuta, Claudio Castagnoli, Andrade El Idolo, Rouge, Dante Martin, Phoenix, Pentagon, and the mystery uh, opponent, well, the Joker. And the winner of this match would be the Joker. The Joker would win technically. And what I mean by that is when all the participants have already been introduced and they're battling it out, and now we only have the Joker left to come out. A group of guys, all covered in black, would come in the ring and start beating up on the contestants. One of the members would climb the ladder, grab the poker chip, and unclip it, so now he has possession of the poker chip that all the guys were battling for. He would then unmask himself in his Stokely Hathaway. Stokely would come down the ladder, And you would then see a man come out of the entrance tunnel and he's all dressed in black with a white mask with devil horns on it. And he was making his way down to the ring. Stokely would hand that man the poker chip and tell Justin Roberts to announce the winner. And Justin Roberts would announce that the winner of this match is the Joker. So... You get a point that after the announcement is done, the Joker would like hand the poker chip back to Stokely and he motions his hands in the air, acting like he's about to unmask himself, but he does not. He keeps the mask on his head. He leaves out of the ring. 
and Stokely and his men, by the way, the guys that were with Stokely were his guys as he were has been recruiting for the past few weeks. Uh, the Gun Club, Lee Moriarty, W. Morrissey, Ethan Page, they were the guys that helped Stokely do this. They will walk up to the back, and again, the mystery man would not unmask himself. However, at the end of the night, we would get to see exactly who that Joker was. After this match, we would get the Trios Championship Finals. The Elite, which is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, going against the Dark Orders, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Hangman Page. The Elite would win this match by pinfall when Kenny and John Silver were in the ring, and John was holding Kenny Omega. Hangman Page would try to hit the buckshot lariat on Kenny, but Kenny would duck it, and Hangman would hit John Silver. Matt Jackson would run in the ring and like tackle Hangman while Kenny is pinning John Silver so Hangman couldn't break it up. And Kenny would pin John Silver for the win. So the Elite are your first ever trios champions in AEW. I did not pick the Elite. I thought it was going to be Dark Order to give them a nice shining moment here. But they went the obvious route. I didn't think they were going to go there. And this was a good match between both two teams. You know what you were going to get with... Uh, the Elite going against Dark Order and Hangman Page off the fact that it was Hangman Page on that team. Hangman Page has a history with the Elite, and they even played a spot back in Kenny Omega and uh, Hangman's match at Full Gear in this match. Because at the end of their match at Full Gear last year, Hangman hit two buckshot lariats on Kenny Omega, and the second one that he did hit Matt Jackson just stood on the ring apron and just nodded his head whenever he hit Kenny with it at full gear. This time, he hit one to the back of the head of Kenny Omega, and now he's about to do the exact same spot. And Matt Jackson's right there, and he has to shake his head, and he grabs Hangman Page by the leg, so Hangman couldn't do it. So they play that spot back up. You're getting the whole emotions of the elite going against Hangman, that whole emotional thing, roller coaster between them. And... Off to the side, you got John Silver and Alex Reynolds that are here to just trying to win the match so they can become champions. They win their first ever championships in AEW. And Hangman just messing around with his former buddies here, trying to get his emotions right. So that's what this whole story was about. The emotions of Hangman Page getting the better of him as he's going against the Elite. And that ultimately would be his downfall and the Dark Order's downfall. So if you want storytelling-wise, a long-formatted storytelling Go and watch this match. After this, we had a short match. TBS Championship match. Jade Cargill with the baddies going against Athena. Jade would win the match by pinfall when she would catch Athena in midair, hit her with a bicycle kick to the stomach, grab her, hit Jade for the win. The highlight of this match personally was Jade Cargill coming out in She-Hulk gear. She, like, busts open a makeshift, like, wall, and she comes out in, like, spray painted or like body painted style like green on her and she has like she hulk kind of like gear from like the comic books if you look at the comic book she hulk and that was like the main thing for me because jade has always been coming out on these uh pay-per-views with special entrances or special gear for the entrances earlier this year she came out as uh jade at another event, she had pink and green hair. Jade Cargill just likes to do different things for pay-per-views, so I'm never mad at that. It's always when it comes down to the match. This one, I think that Athena should have won because personally right now, Jade has nobody else to lose the belt to. 
whenever they wanted to take the belt off of her right now. Because the only other person that they technically had in the tuck was Chris Statlander. And Chris Statlander is injured at the moment. She'll be out for six to eight months. So I don't know who we're going to have beat Jade Cargill. There's, they're more than likely going to find somebody. I just don't know at this right moment who is it going to be. After this, we will have this trios matchup of FTR and Warlow going against Jay Lethal and Motor City Machine Guns. Jay and Motor City Machine Guns will have Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh in their corner. Uh, Warlow would win the match for his team by pinfall when he would powerbomb Jay Lethal four times in the ring and get the win. After the match, Samoa Joe will come down to the ring and he would attack Satnam Singh. This is the first time we've seen Samoa Joe since Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor when he beat Jay Lethal to retain the Ring of Honor Television Championship. Uh, Joe would then go after Sanjay Dutt and Sanjay Dutt would then go into the ring and now he's on his knees and he notices that he is surrounded by FTR, Samoa Joe, and Warlow. When he notices this, we go to the camera and the camera pans up to the entrance stage and we see Dax Harwood's daughter run down to the ring and get in the ring. This is the exact same daughter that Sanjay Dutt made fun of calling her a brat on Dynamite. No, it wasn't Dynamite or Rampage. Rampage this past Friday. So she would get in the ring and she would snap one of Sanjay Dutt's pencils. That's one of Sanjay Dutt's like, things. He likes having pencils around him. Uh, Sanjay would turn around and Sanjay would get punched in the face by Dax. Sanjay then would get pinned by Dax's daughter. She would put her foot on Sanjay's chest and the referee would come in and make the count. So it was a nice feel-good moment for Dax and his daughter for her to have. And also FTR got the win with their buddy Warlow. There was nothing really special in this matchup. I mean, you got like hints of FTR going against Motor City Machine Guns matchup here, what it would look like. But until I actually see it, I mean, it's only just a hint of what you would get. I would like to see FTR going against Motor City Machine Guns if Impact and AEW can make that happen sometime down the line these next couple weeks or next month or even at Bound for Glory. Just have them there. That'll be a great thing, but we'll have to see when that happens. Also, the side note, Samoa Joe did not attack Motor City Machine Guns because when Samoa Joe came down, he hit Saddam Singh. Motor City Machine Guns ran directly to the back. So they knew it was their time to go. So they wouldn't catch the beats. So again, Impact played Motor City Machine Guns right by doing what they had to do. We lend you them. You didn't beat our guys. You had set, uh, Jay Lethal take the pin here. And it also gives people a glimpse of what Motor City Machine Guns versus FTR would look like in the future. After this, we had a... Match between Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse would win the match by pinfall when Starks would run off the ropes and it looks like he's about to go for the spear, but Hobbs would grab him, hit him with a spine buster, cover him for the win. Uh, Powerhouse beat Ricky Starks and I feel that it was dominating fashion. I mean, Ricky Starks was able to get some hits off and some moves off, but Powerhouse was dominating this matchup. So Powerhouse getting the win, I thought that was the right move. And again, Ricky Starks losing the powerhouse. It does nothing bad to Ricky Starks because people love Ricky Starks. He is a star. Everybody sees it. Just that if powerhouse would have lost, I don't know where you would have gone with powerhouse. I think people now are seeing powerhouse as the next TNT uh, contender, TNT champion contender to go against Warlow. And me seeing those two guys going against each other, that would be great. We got a glimpse of that as well earlier this year at Revolution in the ladder match. And you had Warlow and 
powerhouse standing across from each other, and the fans were wanting it. So now, months pass by, we can get it now with Warlow going against powerhouse, and nobody will have blink an eye and say, oh, that can't happen. Oh, no, that can happen now, and powerhouse will be waiting for Warlow. After this, we would get everybody's uh, match in the night. The AEW Tag Team Championship matchup. The acclaimed with Billy Gunn in their corner going against Swerve and Keith Lee. Keith would win the match for his team by pinfall when Keith and Swerve would hit their tag finish, which is a spirit bomb Swerve stomp on Anthony Bowens for the win. This whole match was basically Keith Lee and Swerve playing the bad guys in this matchup. They were ruthless. They were uh, doing anything that they could do, not cheating wise, but by like brutally beating up Anthony Bowens because Anthony Bowens has a history of being like the injured guy on his team and he will like mess up his left knee. They will always target the left knee. Swerve was aggressively going at it a lot. And Keith Lee, you would think that him being the guy that everybody loves, we all can see like Swerve being ruthless. You don't think that Keith Lee's going to do it. But no, Keith Lee plays onto it too. He beats up on the left knee of Bowens here. Max Caster would come in and he would dominate a little bit. He actually was able to hit a attitude adjustment on Keith Lee. And again, this whole match was literally the acclaim being the underdogs fighting underneath, trying to get the upper hand on the champions. They would get a couple spots from time to time, but in the end, the champions would win. After the match, Billy Gunn would get in the ring with both teams and Billy would scissor with Keith Lee. Swerve wasn't trying to have this. He would look at it and just see that and be like, nah, I'm good. And he will leave the ring. So Keith Lee and Swerve are still your champions. The Acclaim got a big ovation from the fans. They love the Acclaim. Uh, and people were saying that this was the wrong move. People were thinking that the Acclaim should have won the match for Keith Lee and Swerve. No, I don't think that should have been it. I said it on my predictions on the Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I'll say it here. Uh, Keith Lee and Swerve, they haven't had other teams to really mess with yet to defend those titles against like that. And the Acclaim, again, they are a great tag team. They will be AEW Tag Champions. As a matter of fact, they could be the next team to actually dethrone Keith Lee and Swerve in due time. This was just not their time. This was just giving a people a glimpse of what they could expect from the Acclaim whenever the Acclaim are in those big, high-pressure situations. And that's exactly what we got here with Keith Lee and Swerve going against the Acclaim. We got to see what the Acclaim are are capable of doing when they're not just being like clowns and joking around. So again, the Acclaim beating Keith Lee and Swerve later down the line, yes, tonight just wasn't the night. After this, we get the Fatal 4-Way matchup for the AEW Women's Interim Championship. Jamie Hayter going against Britt Baker, going against Tony Storm, and Sheeta. Tony Storm would win the match by pinfall when Jamie Hayter would hit Sheeta with the Rainmaker and go for the pin, but Britt Baker would pull the referee out after two. Hayter would look at Britt and say that this was supposed to be my time. Tony would get in the ring and hit Jamie Hayter with strong zero. Britt Baker would get in the ring, throw Tony out of the ring, cover Jamie Hayter. Jamie would kick out, and now you have Britt looking at Jamie, and she's contemplating locking in the lockjaw. Tony Storm would get in the ring, hit Britt Baker with a leaping DDT, and then another one onto Jamie Hayter, and Tony would cover Jamie for the win. So Tony Storm is your new AEW interim women's champion. And that's not a bad thing again here, neither. 
Tony Storm was going to win against Thunder Rosa if Thunder Rosa was medically cleared to wrestle here tonight. Uh, and personally, I can't wait for that matchup to happen because we already got it at Forbidden Door. I think that Tony Storm going against Thunder Rosa, giving them a lot of time, probably 20 minutes to work in the ring, will be a great benefactor for the AEW Women's Division. And also, it will give them enough time for Tony to get frustrated to do whatever she has to do to win, to unify the women's championships when that time comes and have Tony Storm become the villain. After this, we would get a match between Christian Cage and Jungle Boy Jack Perry, but we really don't get a matchup here. And I'll explain it like this. Christian will come down to the ring. He sees Jungle Boy's mother and sister. He walks up to them. Jungle Boy's mom will slap him. He'll take it on the chin and walk into the ring. Christian still has his shirt on. He still has like a black size, like sports cast around his right arm. And he's waiting for Jungle Boy to come out. Jungle Boy comes out. He makes his entrance. Pyro goes off. And Jungle Boy is waiting for Luchasaurus to come out behind him. He goes and look at the good guy entrance tunnel. He doesn't see Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus comes out of the bad guy tunnel. And he goes and grabs Jungle Boy and chokeslam him off the stage onto like the steel crate where the pyro just went off. So you see that happen. You see Jungle Boy hit the steel crate. He rolls down and now you have medical staff checking on Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus would grab Jungle Boy, carry him down to the ring, and then he would powerbomb Jungle Boy through the Timeskeeper table. Luchasaurus would then grab Jungle Boy, throw him into the ring, and the referee would ask Jungle Boy, does he still want to wrestle with Christian? And Jungle Boy says, yes, he still wants to go through with it. So the bell rings, Christian hits Jungle Boy with a spear. Jungle Boy would kick out of the pin. Christian then would hit the kill switch, which is the unprettier in WWE's words, and Christian would win the match. After the match, Luchasaurus would get in the ring. Christian would grab him by the face and says, I love you. You're like a son to me. Always remember that. And then you would see Luchasaurus like put Christian on his shoulders. So Luchasaurus and Christian are back together being a unit. And I'm not mad at it because we're going to continue the feud between Jungle Boy and Christian. We're just adding another block onto it. So basically, Jungle Boy has to go through Luchasaurus to get to Christian. And personally, to me, this was still too early for Jungle Boy to get at Christian right now. Especially with Christian with a, like a cast on his arm. No, want to make the win satisfying. So whenever we get that matchup, more or less probably at full gear, that'll probably be the time where we get Jungle Boy beating up on Christian. So for right now, Jungle Boy has to go against Luchasaurus until that time comes. After this, we would get Brian Danielson going against Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho would win this match by pinfall when Jericho would low blow Brian Danielson when the referee was in the corner and then hit him with a Judas effect for the win. Chris Jericho would be in the ring. He's celebrating that he just won the matchup. We would go to the back. We see Daniel Garcia, who was watching the match, and Daniel Garcia does not like the way that Chris won the match. He does not accompany the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society. When they go out to celebrate with Jericho in the ring and up on the ramp. And this would cause for later in the night, Daniel Garcia to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And Chris Jericho walks up on him. And Tony asks Daniel, why didn't he go out with the rest of Jericho's group to celebrate with Jericho? Jericho would say, yeah, why didn't you, why didn't you come out there? Daniel would tell Jericho that, listen, I had no doubt that you were going to beat Brian Danielson, but I also told you that I feel that you didn't have to cheat to win. 
And Chris Jericho say, listen, I hear your convictions and I and I like that you stand on it. But you hurt me by not coming out there. So here's what I'm going to do. You have the biggest match of your life going against Willie Uta for the Pure Championship on Dynamite this upcoming Wednesday. I know that you're going to win. So with that being said, you're not going to have the Jericho Appreciation Society around the ring with you. You can beat Willie Uta, but you're just not going to have us around you. Daniel Garcia will look at Jericho and say, but you know this is the biggest match of my career. I need you guys around. Jericho will reiterate, listen, you're going to beat Uta. I have no doubt about it, but you're not going to have us around the ring. I made my decision, and that's final. So we're going to have more storytelling coming into play whenever Dynamite comes around. Is Daniel Garcia going to be joining the Blackpool Comic Club, or is he going to be his own man after his match with Yuta? We will have to see when Dynamite rolls around. After this, we would get the six-man tag of House of Black, Malachi Black, uh, Brody King, and Brody Matthews with Julia Hart in their corner going against Sting, Darby, and Miro. Darby will win the match for his team by pinfall when Malachi Black and Sting were in the ring. And Malachi would go for his spinning heel kick on Sting, but Sting would spit mist into Malachi's face, which was very thin that you couldn't really see much on camera. And then Darby would grab Malachi and get him in the pinning predicament called the Last Supper. So Darby would win the match for his team. This was a so-so uh, six-man matchup. By this time, we've already probably like three hours deep into the uh, pay-per-view and everybody's so like, okay, yo, let's hurry up, get to the main event, let's go. People were still like, all right, cool, but majority of the people were like, all right, it's time for the main event, let's get to it, let's get to it. Uh, it was reported that Malachi did look at the rest of the fans in attendance, he bowed to them, blew him a kiss, and the fans clapped for Malachi Black. It has been reported that uh, Malachi has was allegedly asking for his release from AEW, and that has been, like, put to rest. Malachi isn't going anywhere. I think this is going to be Malachi's time to, like, take a break from AEW to get himself together. There are reports saying that he needs a break because he's going through something uh, mentally and probably physically that he needs to just get himself right. And if that's the case, and we're not going to see Malachi until he gets himself together, hey, man, get yourself right, man. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Just take care of yourself. That's all you got to do. Wrestling's still going to be here. And just know that you have a healthy support system with the people that you have as friends and also certain people on Twitter and fans as well. The fans don't like to harass much people. You're one of the people that they don't like to harass like that. At least I don't see it. People will harass everybody else, but you're one of those people that everybody respects. So Malachi, go ahead, get yourself together, man, and uh, we'll see you when we see you. Now it's time for the main event of AEW, the AEW World Championship matchup. John Moxley going against CM Punk. And CM Punk would win the match by pinfall when he's a GTS on Moxley and then cover him for the win. Uh, Punk would bleed in this matchup, but let's just call it spade a spade here. Uh, Moxley, he played my games with Punk at the beginning of the matchup, but Punk was able to overcome that because he knows he's in Chicago. He was decked out in Chicago gear. He had Chicago fans rooting behind him and that's what basically guided CM Punk to victory this time instead of two weeks ago when he lost to Moxley in Cleveland so CM Punk is your AEW world champion so here's where we get into the nice interesting part here after the match 
Punk will be given the AEW World Championship. The fans will be cheering for him. Everybody's so happy. We think AEW's about to go off air. And the lights will go off. And then audio will be playing throughout the arena. And it's a voicemail of Tony Khan. And the message goes like this. Tony Khan is speaking on the voicemail. And he's talking to a particular individual. Saying that, listen, your continuous absence has been hurting the company. And it has been hurting the fans. I know you don't care about the fans, but I'm going to do what I should do. And that is I'm going to swallow a bitter pill and I'm going to give you a spot in the Casino Battle Royal. And also, I'm going to be paying you. And they are about to say the amount number, but they like censor that amount number out of what he's going to pay this certain individual. And he says, the only thing you have to do is show up at All Out, and that's it. You don't have to sign no contract extension or anything else. So, that voicemail would play. And then the little channel scratching notes will play after that. And then we go to a video of CM Punk when he won the Ring of Honor World Championship back in the day. And it's the infamous CM Punk thing when he said, you stupid old man, uh, I'm a snake and I'm the biggest devil himself. I'm the devil himself. And then it would go to that exact same masked man that we saw earlier in the night where Stokely gave him the poker chip and he ultimately unmasked himself. And you hear a voice says, I am the devil himself. And we see a Burberry scarf get wrapped around his neck and it's MJF. So we all know what's about to happen. MJF's music hits. MJF walks out through the tunnel and MJF is standing right there on the entrance stage. As the fans are chanting MGF's name in Chicago, it has been three months since we've seen MGF on AEW television in any capacity on Dynamite, uh, Rampage, or any pay-per-view. So MGF has been gone for three months. He's back now, and he now is the next man in line to go after CM Punk for the AEW World Championship. So AEW All Out will end like this. CM Punk is in the middle of the ring with the World Championship. MGF was on the stage, and MGF makes it known to Punk that that AEW championship will be coming home to me. I assure you of that. So we have our next world championship feud right here, MGF and CM Punk. And the funny thing to me is that at the beginning of the year, we started with Punk and MJF in the rivalry of the year for AEW. And we're going to be basically ending AEW this year with Punk and MJF because you're not going to tell me that we're going to build this up until Arthur Ashe and then that's it. No, 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 no. That's not how we're doing this. I don't see we're going to end with them having a match at Arthur Ashe just for the world title, MJF winning, and then that's it. No, 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 no. We're going to add different elements into this. This is how I see we're going to be playing this up here. We're going to have that match at Arthur Ashe MJF probably could win or whatever. And now we are adding in Moxley. Or we can add in Moxley beforehand because Moxley still has that win over Punk in the unification matchup. So Moxley still technically has a gripe with Punk saying, all right, we can run this back and we can break off the break off the tie that we have here. It'll be the rubber match still for the AEW World Championship before Max gets it. Max can lose his temper, and this way we can bring Tony Khan out here, and Max just starts blatantly going after Tony Khan, saying, listen, I did what you told me to do. I came back here. You said you're going to give me the casino ladder match spot. I did that. I won it. I got this championship matchup. 
Moxley, that bump, he isn't getting that shot before I do. Because if he does, I will walk out of here and I, you, every single one of you could kiss my tail. See, I can see that's where we can go with that if we add Moxley to it. But then guess what? If we do that, Moxley can say, you know what? Fine. Let the crybaby have his shot. But best believe, I'm next after that. Whoever has the belt, I'm next. So this could lead into MGF's guys that if he's still with Stokely, we don't know the conditions that he's with, going after not just Moxley, but the whole Blackpool Combat Club. This can literally be MGF trying to take over AEW as a whole unit. But this will all be set in stone, more or less coming towards these weeks in times of these months, because they only got one more pay-per-view left of the year, and that's full gear, and that's in November. That's literally two months away from now. So I don't know if we're building towards Punk and MJF at full gear. I don't know if we're building it up to Arthur Ashe. Where does Moxley fit into this? I just know that Moxley is not going to like being saddled in the back, waiting for his turn because he lost to CM Punk. Moxley isn't going to like that. He's not going to cry and complain about it, but he isn't going to be the happiest of campers here. So my whole thing is, I'm going to wait until Dynamite this week, and hopefully we get some type of story about it. MJF comes out, speak about it, something. If not, a dog. I'm going to still speculate, because more or less we're probably going to get Punk coming out to say something, or Moxley coming out to say something. So I don't doubt that we're going to get something on Dynamite this week. I'm just going to have to wait and see. And with that, that is your recap for All Out and uh, Worlds Collide. Both shows were good. I just feel that Tony Khan, my guy, you have to straight up trim the fat off these pay-per-views, man. Like, dog, you had 13 or 14 matches on a wrestling card for four hours. I understand. But, dude, yo, slim it down. Your thing starts at 7. That's the pre-show at 7 o'clock. And if people watch the pre-show, that is literally five hours of wrestling. But you got to remember, Tony, you had to come up after Worlds Collide. So you knew the people at home were going to be watching your show and they're watching Worlds Collide. And if not, they just got done watching Worlds Collide and now they're automatically going on to your all-out pay-per-view. What I basically did. So, dude, that is nothing but a legit from 4 o'clock to 12 that's eight hours of wrestling you are dedicating your program to specifically five while wwe they had what from four to six thirty that's two hours and 30 minutes of time while you guy you started at seven to twelve that is five hours of wrestling now as a kid small child with on a summer That'll be a great thing because, you know, what they ain't got nothing to do. But, dude, you are talking to kids that are small. They got school the next day. You were talking about ki uh, kids that are teenagers. They got school the next day. Even people that are in college, like myself, go to school. Wham. Dog. You got to trim down some of your things, dude. I hope you start trimming down some of your cards so that your pay-per-views can do three hours, three and a half if you want to go that far. But four hours... You got you to gotta top that. You got to relax. Start trimming down some of your pay-per-view cards. That's all I'm saying. As a fan, just trim down some of your cards, man. This isn't the first time you heard of this. You heard of it last uh, last time with Double or Nothing. You heard that from time to time with some of your past pay-per-views that be running the gamut with the hours. Yo, Tony, just trim down some of your card. Make the matches on there feel important. Dedicate some of those times that are on Dynamite and Rampage. If you want to do a card, here's the perfect squeeze for AEW. AEW can have an eight-match card. Eight. 
perfect because you give enough time on Dynamite and Rampage to ramp those stories up and do what you got to do. Eight match card, perfect for AEW. Just do that. Don't make it 14, 13. Your sweet spot is eight and call it a day. So that's free advice from me as a guy that watches your show and hears from everybody else online and gets the pulse. Trust me, eight matches on your card, you'll be straight. Now, with that being said, I hope you guys have a great Labor Day today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. You guys know where to find me. This Saturday, you'll hear me again on Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Next Sunday, you'll hear me talk about something in the news. If you haven't listened to either my Sunday episode or my Saturday episode, you can go now and listen to those. I love you guys. I hope you guys have a great Labor Day. Please be careful. Please be safe. Don't be a dick. I love you guys. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.